Do you believe in your business and want it to grow quicker? Make more sales, scale the business? <laughs> yeah, me too. I just love helping women in business and I want your business to be the best it can possibly be. You can expect truthful accounts of the highs and lows of business, struggles, traumas, epic highlights and priceless moments. I'll be sharing how this busy mum scaled a business from a local class in a village hall to 60 franchisees internationally. So let's get started. I'm Charlie Day and you're listening to the Entrepreneurs Growth Club podcast. Before we start, I have to tell you about Hayley Merrick, Hormone Health Coach. She is the womb-wise woman, weaving two decades of clinical and natural health expertise to transform you from hormonal mess to hormone happiness, empowering you to release overwhelm, manage stress, and balance your hormones in a way that nourishes your mind, body, and soul. Providing 12-week coaching packages and online membership, visit loveyourcycles.co.uk for more details and to book your free trial session. Hey, hello and welcome. I'm joined by the incredible Cara Sayer today, inventor of Snooze Shade. Hello, Cara. Well, incredible. What? Uh, I could, I'm going to feel like a total letdown now. <laughs> at all you are incredible um and I actually saw you talking at the what's on for kids awards a few Ah. years ago that's how I first knew about you and I remember being completely enthralled by everything you had to say you know when you get that speaker who comes on stage and you're like wow Oh, bless you. How lovely. That's really nice. I, I don't do much speaking, actually, but um, that was, I think, about my third or fourth, I think, um, outing. And um, yeah, no, it's really, I, I love it, actually. It's a really nice way to sort of share sort of tips and inspiration and what have you. But obviously now we've got we've got Clubhouse and that's where I have rekindled my love of Cara. <laughs> Oh, it's so funny. I love Clubhouse. It's just so, um, yeah, what I love about it is just so real. Um, and um, it, it's very, you can't do the sort of Facebook fakery that you can do in with so many other kind of social media outlets. Um, and, yeah. I, and I have to say, I have actually met so many lovely people on Clubhouse in such a short amount of time. And it's um, it's definitely a really great place, I think, to sort of meet your tribe, you know, like meet people who think like you, because, you know, I am, I am a little tiny weeny bit outspoken um, and I do kind of say it how it is. And, um, and so some people love that and some people don't. So um, it all very much depends uh, on, on how you take it. So I'm probably a bit too much for some people and uh, maybe not enough for others. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, So I mean, we're going to get into all of this because I just I love everything that you say. And I'm that crazy person who just I I just nod at everything I hear you say on Clubhouse. So I know I knew that that you (laughs) get into trouble. (laughs) You'd be the perfect person to have on my podcast. But tell everybody a little bit about you and how you came up with Snooze Shade and sort of the story behind it. So um, Snooze Shade is basically, it's the UK's, I call it favourite, but it's best selling, whatever you want to call it, uh, range of baby sun and sleep shades. And um, I invented Snooze Shade. I had my daughter back in October 2007. Um, I was in a wheelchair for nine months um, towards the end of the pregnancy. So I um, I wasn't able to be out and about walking, etc. So as soon as I was up again, I had this hideous thing called um, Simpsis pubis dysfunction, which is basically where your pelvis falls apart. And I had the worst case anyone had ever seen, which was great on the day I gave birth. I had a whole load of midwives all coming in going, oh, I haven't seen one that bad. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, great, thanks for that. Um, so anyway, as soon as I got up and about on my feet, it's really interesting. When you um, have experienced losing the ability to do something as basic as walking, um, you suddenly are very grateful for it again. I'm now lazy old so-and-so and I don't walk as much as I should. But when I first had Holly, I was like up and around, walk, 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 walk. So I used to get up in the morning, walk to Sainsbury's, pick up some stuff for breakfast, walk to, lo- to Sainsbury's for lunch, walk and pick up stuff for dinner. And I just walked everywhere. Um, and uh, I started walking again. I think it was sort of around the end of January 2008. 
Um, and uh, so obviously the weather was changing and I used to put things like I'd go for a walk. I don't live, I live in Surrey and I don't live that far from Virginia Water Lake, which is around the area I grew up. And I used to meet my mum and go for a walk. And um, I used to, uh, I'd be freezing my bits off um, and then I'd be worrying about Holly getting cold. So I'd end up putting my coat over her and then I'd be freezing or I'd put a blanket over and then it would get blown off and what have you. Um, and then it, it, it was just one of these things that sort of niggles away. Um, and then one day I remember, I still remember it now, I can visualize it. There were about, I was out for lunch with about five friends who all had babies the same age. And um, we'd fed the babies. They were all kind of like seven months or something like that, I think. Um, Cause they were all sitting up and they were in prams rather in push chairs rather than flat lying in prams. And everyone did the same thing. We all basically fed the baby. And then it was like a pashmina, a cardigan, a jumper, a muslin, you know, whatever. It was like putting like, you know, putting the bird to sleep basically in a cage. And I just thought, this is ridiculous. Surely there must be something out there that can help babies sleep. And I was just thinking along the lines of like a nursery blackout blind. You know, we have blackout blinds for windows to help us sleep. Um, and it just made sense to me that I needed to darken, you know, what we were doing was basically darkening the pram so the baby could sleep. Um, and uh, so I've always been a massive Googler. So I'm one of these people, if you set me a challenge, like in the early days of the internet, you know, it's like if you wanted, um, you know, an orange spotted jumper knitted by nuns from Mongolian Shetland ponies. OK, I could find you that product if it existed. Um, and so I was really like searching for something, couldn't find anything. And I, and I to this day, I really, really genuinely I remember the moment in the in in the lunch. It was a Cafe Rouge. I remember that. But I don't remember the moment where I kind of really decided, right, I need to make a product. I just did. And I started with a basic prototype. I now know it was completely the wrong fabric. Um, it was basically a, uh, a, I used a cotton, which is totally inappropriate. Uh, also my sewing skills are completely pants. So you really wouldn't want a product that's been hand sewn by me because it would fall apart in about four nanoseconds. Um, and, but I, I started with the concept. And then once I had the concept, um, again, this is like days before Facebook was really massive and everything. But there were quite a lot of mums forums on things like mums net and net mums. And so I remember, and I think I think you can still find it somewhere. I actually posted asking this, you know, what people thought of the idea of something that would help baby sleep in the pram. And quite a lot of people were like, oh, yeah, no, that sounds great. And, you know, I'd love to test it and blah, blah, blah. So um, the next challenge was obviously, as I said, my sewing skills are pants. So therefore, I will not be sitting here sewing, although actually I was sewing only the other day. I do have to do a bit of sewing. Like I got a sample in from China and I've had to undo the poppers and re-sew them on because they put them in the wrong place. Uh, but that's about as, as sewy as I get nowadays. Um, so um, I uh, used to work for a baby magazine and we used to, uh, you know, like cover mounts on the front of magazines where you get like free sarongs and makeup bags and, and all the rest of it. Yeah. So those are called cover mounts. And uh, I used to we used to joke uh, at the, the magazine that one day they were going to cover mount a real baby on the front of the magazine because they always had so many free products. It got very competitive in the baby marketplace, magazine marketplace, where they were giving away stuff left, 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 right and centre. It was like free mat, free spoon, free bowl, free plate. And actually the supermarkets hated it because it was taking up so much shelf space. But the one thing I did know about these things is that they had to be safety tested um, in order to be allowed to be on the front of the magazine, because obviously you can't have a free product from a baby magazine killing a baby because that would be quite bad, I believe. <laughs> uh, probably wouldn't be so great for the brand. Um, so and I used to actually uh, organize that as part of my job for some of the some of the products. So I rang an old friend of mine. I said, who's doing the cover mounts? Because I am safety obsessed, obsessed. Like there is no other way of describing it is an obsession. I you know, I, I am the mother of one very precious now Gordon Bennett teenager. She's now 13 and nearly, well, she's she's heading towards as tall as me and I'm five seven, so I'm very scared, frankly. Um, but, you know, she was an IVF baby. I spent many uh, years trying to get pregnant, etc. She was the most precious thing in the entire universe, still is. Um, so, you know, I've, I've always been like, you know, I would never forgive myself if I created a product that was unsafe. So, um, safety has always been massively part of and, and a massive part of the, the extra cost and the quality of the products. Um, but anyway, so I contacted a friend. She said, oh, yeah, no, I know this lady. And it turns out, as I said, I live in Surrey. I live in a place called Walton-on-Thames. And the person who I still manufacture with to this day uh, lives in Weybridge next door to me. And her business was in Staines, which is where I used to go to school, weirdly, when I was very, very tiny. So there's lots of real, like, small world connections. And I remember going in to see her with my shonky, like, totally wrong prototype. 
um, but she was the mum of four four kids and she was just like oh my god this is a genius idea and I was like really and she's like yeah and I'm like wow okay cool you know um, and so we worked together basically like using her ability to manufacture and my brain <laughs> I know which one had the shorter straw um, to uh, basically create this product so I started coming up with prototypes and I mean the first snoo shade was white because for example, I had it in my head that black was a bad color. You know, um, I, I was never very good at chemistry at school or physics. In fact, I think I got 25% for writing my name on my last physics exam uh, prior. I never did the GCSE for it. Um, and uh, I've now become a bit of a physics nerd on things like heat and oh, all sorts of weird stuff. Um, and um, anyway, so uh, we developed the developed the fabric. It's a specially woven fabric. Um, I, it was white. And then I thought, mm, this isn't really working for me. I, it needs to be dark to help the baby sleep. So I went black. Um, and um, so we I, then what happened was I I had suffered a bit of postnatal depression. I was going through another round of IVF and I kind of dropped it for a bit. And then there was a trade show coming up in October 2010, uh, 2009. Um, where they had a an innovation zone and that was for small upcoming businesses uh, to be able to showcase new products um, so it was either that or go on Dragon's Den and I didn't really fancy the public nationwide humiliation of going on Dragon's Den so I thought no I'm going to go and also I thought it'd be more useful to go to a trade show because I would actually meet retailers who were kind of at the coalface of the industry selling to customers so they would hopefully say this is shit or wow that's quite good or it would be better if you know and I would actually get some real feedback so uh, my mum and I uh, went to this show and um, my previous career was in events and, um, and, and creating beautiful events um, and, and everything looking sparkly and wonderful and amazing. However, uh, when I went, it was again, it was like a lesson in, I don't even know shonky is a word, but I love shonky. It's just like wonky and shit. <laughs> I think you um, need to trademark that. Yeah, shonky. Um, I, don't even know, I don't really don't know where I get these words. I, I make up a lot of words. Um, so um yeah, so my mum and I went and it was super shonky, like we had literally like these pictures of my friends pushing a pram, you know, with snoo shade on. Um, I had some some cards printed and I had my and my mum still jokes now to this day because I had my actual buggy that I used to push Holly around in, uh, which was this sort of it was a red mummers and puppers sports jogger thing, which had a great big bird poo on the hood. Um, so my mum spent a lot of time trying to get rid of the bird poo while we were at the show um, because she's really OCD. I'm not, as you can tell, because that's why I had bird poo on them and didn't even really notice um so I had this this sort of product and uh, I and I was actually even tweaking it as I went to the show so one of my big messages to people who are starting up is things do not have to be perfect um just do something because actually once you start doing something then it has a natural momentum which moves you forward whereas if you're constantly just sitting waiting for that perfect moment it ain't going to come honey um, and you're much better off just doing something and then adapting, you know, like working on the fly, so to speak. So, for example, I was like showing off this product and I was I'd sewn on extra middle straps just before I started exhibiting. Um, and I was, I'd sewn it on with my own, as I said, rather chunky sewing. Um, and uh, basically it would come pinging off. And I was like, oh, no, very high quality product. Yes. You know, la, la, la. <laughs> showing them how easy it was to attach as the strap flew off in my hand. Um, but never mind, that's a minor detail. And I was like, no, but don't worry, this is my sewing, you know, not the factories. Um, and then I actually changed the look of the product as well, again, from feedback um, after the show. So again, you know, I, I take every opportunity to kind of take feedback on board, um, if you agree with it, obviously. Um, and uh, and then I had an order placed on the spot by Jojo Mamonbebe, which is one of the UK's leading independent um, retailers. Um, and I still am selling with them now, uh, 11 years on nearly. Um, and they placed an order for, I think it was 200 units. It was either 100, no, it was 120 units, I think. And um, so, of course, when you get an order for 120 units, and I did have quite a lot of positive feedback, although some people hated the black, but I was like, yeah, whatever. Um, uh, basically, I just went and ordered 10,000 units because that's what you do, isn't it? It's not what I would do now, people. Like, <laughs> okay, that was a bit stupid, if I'm honest. Um, although, to be fair, I did sell that 10,000 units in the first year, in fact, the first nine months of trading. So to be honest, it was quite a sensible mistake, but it was an inadvertent one. Normally, I would suggest you order maybe a few less of a new product like that because it's quite good to test it, see if it actually sells first. Um, maybe but, it gave you like that kick up the bum, though, like, wow, I've got to sell these now. 
Well, absolutely. Funnily enough, I had exactly the same thing. I, I, I don't know if you saw, but I've launched my Make It, Brand It, Sell It website. And um, I launched it, not even didn't even have the About Cara page done. And then I, I put up a couple of products that are coming soon and I've already sold one. I haven't even, got, I haven't, I haven't even written it yet. <laughs> so um, anyway, you know, um, so, so, you know, this is what I mean. You've just got to kind of crack on. I, I, I really am a big believer in sort of cracking on and, you know, and just getting on with stuff. Um, yeah, I, I actually just wrote that down as you said it, because I always say to everybody in the Entrepreneurs Growth Club, done is better than perfect. Mm. But obviously, I'm in a service based business, which is slightly different. So it's quite refreshing because I work with with all sorts of people who have products or service based businesses. It's quite refreshing to hear somebody who has a product or was developing a product saying, you know, done is better than perfect. Just get it out there and see. Just get it out there because you don't know if people like it until they buy it. And that's literally it. And and whilst now I would teach to do things slightly differently, not really, actually, I wouldn't teach to do it entirely differently. So for example, my first packaging was awful. I mean, it was vomit inspiring. But the thing was also is because I didn't actually know because I'd never invented a baby product before and baby products are all like pale pinks and blues and pretty colors. I'm not a pretty color sort of person. And the product was black with a, like a luminous yellow trim because when I actually first launched it, I had an accident we had an accident in the factory and, and I asked for this beautiful lime sort of luminous lime color and they, they they basically put like created this uh fluorescent yellow and I was like shit that looks horrible um but actually I turned it into a safety feature because I was like well no one's going to miss you when you've got this round and now I have got my beautiful sort of neon lime color which I love better than I love the yellow but I did have to sell that product I think we because we did 10,000 units and then I think because my manufacturer had actually made X number of millions of miles of trim, I think I had to have that color for about five or six years before I could get rid of it. Um, so sometimes also you just got to suck it up and just get on with it. And, and also try and if, if there's something happens, try and make a positive out of it rather than having a hissy fit because hissy fits don't do much, but you know, um, sort of adapting to little issues that come up. And also the other thing I always point out to people is none of us are in A&E, right? None of us are dealing with dying, dying people. And so actually get a grip and like, I mean, I've just seen, we've got a typo on one of my, on my instructions for my products that I've got this beautiful new packaging coming out. I've done designed this new insert, blah, blah, blah. And I've got a typo on it. Guess what? Is anyone gonna die? No. Does anyone really care? No, I've had typos on product packaging before. I've had people pointing it out. I'm like, thank you ever so much. I'm a small business. It's me checking. Uh, I try and get someone else to check as well. But, you know, thank you very, very much indeed. Really, really appreciate it. And I am also like, uh, you know, a grammar nerd, et cetera. But, you know, I'm you, you're going to miss things occasionally. You're a human. Yeah, exactly. I'm a human being. Exactly. Running a small business. It, it's funny, isn't it? Because so uh, I've got a four year old now, but when he was probably about six months, I, of course, bought a snooze trade you said way, course, but, you know thank you thank you um, <laughs> way before I even knew who Cara Sale was might I add um and you know my NCT there's, there's eight of us we all had them I know it's great NCT rocks <laughs> once one mum gets one all the group get one I mean it is such a word of mouth product it's fantastic and in fact what's really funny is I mean you remember when I invented it there was nothing else like it in the world right there had been no other product like it and a lot of people as I said hated the black because they were like "Ooh, black on a baby that's just so wrong and I'm like yeah but it helps them sleep so I've always been about function over fashion like I get people going oh can't you make it look pretty no because then it won't do what I want it to do and what you want it to do is to help your baby sleep and give maximum protection from the sun it will not do that plus it'll look minging because the fabric is kind of like a sort of footballer shirt fabric and when you print on that it always looks disgusting so I'm, I'm all about like you know actually also stand by what you know there's a reason why I do what I do and I always stand by that and I'm and, and you can't attract everyone you can't like the people who want a pretty product they will have to go elsewhere I'm afraid because mm -hmm. it ain't ever going to come from me um because I am all about delivering what it is I'm saying I'm delivering versus making things look pretty yeah I, I remember it actually we we bought it just before we went on holiday um because you know you have that whole thing on holiday where you think I want to be on a beach while my child just sleeps <laughs> in a pram next to me and um and I remember my husband being like this is genius um <laughs> men love it actually men love it because yeah. it's a gadget I think I think they love the gadgetiness of it yeah yeah so I I didn't know anybody without a snooze shade so I feel like you're you know sort of a celebrity in my eyes <laughs> No, I mean, it is funny, though, because, as I said, when I first started, my aim was, did you, did you have a, bu a bumbo, you know, those little seats? Yeah. 
Yeah, right, yeah. So my aim was to get Snooshade to be a bumbo because everyone in my NCT group had a bumbo. Um, and so my, I think it's really important to have a goal and to keep that goal always in the back of your mind. So I'm, I'm not one of these, like, I don't do mindset mornings. I'm not, I'm not into mindfulness or any of that. I'm afraid, sorry, not my cup of tea. I, I think it's great if you've got the, I just can't do it. Fine, um, don't apologize. No, no, but you know, like how you're supposed to and everything. And I, you know, and I can't be doing the early morning hustle because I, I like sleeping in in the morning. I'd much rather work late at night. In fact, I always recommend people investigate something called the power of when. It, I, I heard about it at a conference a few years ago and um, it's basically a, a sleep doctor and it's uh, there are four different chronotypes and one is wolf, which is what I am. One is bear, one is dolphin and I can't remember, I can never remember what the other one is. Um, but anyway, I'm a wolf and basically wolves don't like getting up early and they like working late till late at night and then getting up late. I mean, unfortunately having a child does make that slightly different having to take them to school, etc. But the one bonus of being divorced is that I don't have her all the time. And so therefore like today, I don't have her this morning. So I had a lovely lion until about 11 o'clock this morning. Oh no, it was actually about half past 10 because I had a clubhouse room at 11. <laughs> um, I love that. I love that though. I don't think there's enough people like speaking their truth because yeah. I've, I've got a four-year-old and and I only want to work three days a week so I do get up early I do feel like I'm probably a wolf getting up early yeah. I, I am a wolf who has to has had to get up early but naturally I so and I and I and I mean I had a full nervous breakdown in uh, in 2010 and it was partially due to the business success like everything was very overwhelming. It was also due to I'd gone through, I think by this time, another two rounds of IVF. I think my hormones were all over the place, etc. And I had a literal like I was a vegetable. They wanted to put me away. And fortunately, my mum, bless her, moved in, looked after Holly and looked after me. Uh, it was one time I lost super amounts of weight, but I really wouldn't recommend it as a diet. Um so, um, you know, but the thing is, is that you do, it's so important to look after yourself, so important. And that is one thing I am really like, I'm really good at, I've got, I've got better at it because I think as women, um, you know, we do tend to put ourselves like on the last on the list. My friend Joe um, has written an amazing book called No Longer Last on the List. And I think every woman should read it. Um, because we always put ourselves last always you know like the children the business the husband the parents you know everybody always comes first at school you know and then we, we there's us um, and so I have learned the hard way and I really wouldn't recommend anyone go through a complete nervous breakdown because it really is not fun at all um, and I now rest and I and I give myself a break and I and I acknowledge and I accept who I am and how I am a lot more rather than trying to be something I meant to be fair I don't think I've ever really tried to be anyone other than me if I'm really honest but I think I wasn't sure in myself like how that fitted into life and I think I've just become I think it's also an age thing because I'm heading towards 50 this year and I do think there is an element I think the 40s are, uh, are a really fascinating decade for women um, because I think we start to really understand like where we're coming from, who we are. Um, and, and as you say, I mean, there's a lot of the word authenticity is thrown around a lot um, in, in, in business. And I think a lot of people are talking complete pants. Um, but I really do believe there is a genuine value in being true, like really being yourself. And I think that's one of the things I've loved about Clubhouse is that I, I'm not a I mean, I know I'm sitting here yakking away now, but you're we're interacting sort of. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, but I can't sit like what I love about Clubhouse is the fact you can have conversations with people and chat. And whereas I don't like things like I can't I, I don't do Instagram lives or Facebook lives because I hate I don't want to sit there preaching and sitting there yakking about nothing. It's really boring. But I love conversation. and I love I love you know, I feed off other people. Um, I also need a lot of downtime where I don't have people, but I had to actually give up Clubhouse after about the first few weeks, like for a bit, because I found it, it was overstimulating my brain. Um, so now I just pop in and out, like pop in when I know you're on that, there's a few things and there are a few people that I tend to like to sort of kind of chat to. Um, but um, I think it's really, really important to rest properly. Um, I mean, I've, I've made myself rest on numerous occasions. Um, and I think it's a really valuable skill that people should learn. Forget freaking Monday you know, morning miracles. Make sure you actually have some downtime, however that downtime is, right? So I haven't got a journal. I don't write in journals. I haven't got time to write in journals. My handwriting is so bad. If I wrote in a journal, I wouldn't understand what I'd said anyway. Um, so, you know, and I know it's supposed to get it out of your brain, but I, I don't really feel, for me, like, don't get me wrong, for those people for whom it works, I'm like, bring it on. 
but I think that like I think there is a pressure that people conform to what everyone else is doing and I don't think there's anything wrong with not conforming I've never conformed I don't think really particularly well in life which is hence why I wasn't a very good employee in the corporate environment because I just was always a round peg in a square hole um and I just think that you know you just people just need to really focus on what works for them not what works for other people yeah I totally agree I I, I totally agree and I think you know that might change as well like what oh, works 100%. For- it fluctuates and moves yeah. and life changes you know mm-hmm. life changes I was you know and and um you know the, the the your every each day changes but but at the same time like one of the things I like for example like you know booking me onto this podcast I only do calls on Tuesdays and Thursdays and that is something I've done in order to take back control of a bit of my life because I found otherwise and I've just moved my clubhouse room from Mondays to Tuesdays because I don't want to be doing like I find zoom calls and things like that quite tiring Mm -hmm. um you know if I do too many of them and um so therefore I like to have that space Monday I have Monday Wednesdays and Fridays and I might I usually you know Mondays I often faff around until I don't know what time in the morning if I don't have my daughter um and Fridays the same and I don't really get up early um I never do things particularly early um um, Candice who works me she books my diary for me and basically she knows not to really bother getting anyone to me before about 11 o'clock in the morning um I don't really kind of I don't really want to speak to anyone before 11 in the morning you know um and I don't really want to speak to anyone later night either if I'm honest I'm really very unsociable aren't I <laughs> there's a small I don't want to speak to anyone ever <laughs> um but now I, I think I've also become protective of my own time as well because I think in the early days of being an entrepreneur it's really easy to get caught up in that excitement and drive and frankly a little bit manic you know where everything's like oh you know got to do everything got to do everything you haven't got to do everything just do something and then do something else and then do something else you know um I definitely think that was a, contrib- a contributor to my breakdown because um, and then I had sort of subsequent wobbles for a few years after um, because I didn't look after myself properly. And I didn't give myself some space, you know. Yeah. And and I saw loads of people and, and to, to a certain extent, I was one of them, but people were going hell for leather on Clubhouse the first few weeks when I joined. And I just people were li- they must have had toilets hooked up on mute or something because, you know, catheter. Yes, catheter. is great. I had after after I had Holly and I was like, oh, can you leave it in for a few extra days? <laughs> but but I knew they would burn out. And and if you look at yeah. them all now, they have. And that they're not getting and I think it's far more effective to go in and out, like you were saying, and do, you know, undercommit to what you can actually yeah. do, but do that consistently. Well, I mean, I could have been on Clubhouse all day yesterday for International Women's Day. And I did um, I did one that I'd agreed to, and then I did a couple that I popped in and out of. But I, I was like, no, you know what? Also, the other thing is, is we're all running businesses. <laughs> so sitting on Clubhouse, I mean, if, and I know some people are doing it very strategically and I can see how they're doing and why they're doing it. And I yeah. totally get that. But for the rest of us who are kind of just normal people running a business where Clubhouse is an enjoyable addition to what we're doing, um, I actually just think you have to be careful not to get too like, you know, I mean, I, I, I quite like listening to it when I'm concentrating, doing something. I sort of, and the, but then, then I get into a conversation. Oh, I want to comment, you know, oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, a lot of people who listen to this podcast have products and maybe they sell them on Etsy or they might have a Shopify website. So I'd love to talk to you a bit more about um, Amazon. And oh, <laughs> my, love, my love and hate relationship with yeah, and I've heard you say a, a lot that being on Amazon is really important. Uh-huh. So I, I want you to talk to my listeners about that. Okay, so the reason why Amazon is important is because whether or not you are a luxury high-end brand or whether you are a small local business or whatever you are, at the end of the day, you've got to think about are you in business or are you a registered charity, right? So if you are a business, you want to sell your products. If you're a registered charity, then maybe not so important, so important, we can give them away, etc. But, you know, for me, um, I, I was in a situation where I was getting divorced in 2014. And I had to assess my business because I knew I wasn't going to be getting a monthly alimony check. And I was going to have to support myself, which I was completely fine about. Um, you know, I was an adult, and I was a more than capable adult. 
um, and I had a business. And but then what happened was I assessed, and this is one of the things I am very passionate about as well, is not being obsessed about turnover. Who gives a shit, frankly, about how many figures you're turning over? What I care about is what is your profit margin and how much profit you are making, and is that enough? Because it's your profit that is what will keep you basically put root, you know, food on the table, etc. So my business from the outside looked fantastic. I had celebrities using it. You know, um, I, you know, I was in every major UK retailer in the country. I had 22 international distributors. It looked incredible, but I was making about £1.20 per unit. So in order to actually get to like, if I was doing six figures, I was only making like 60 grand or something, you know? Um, and so that really wasn't enough for me to be able to do everything that I wanted to be able to do. So I started looking at ways that I could change the business model. Um, and so I started seeing these Facebook ads and they sold me a lie. And I'm, I'm so tempted to take them to the Advertising Standards Authority because they told me that I could sit on a beach drinking cocktails with my sunglasses <laughs> on and listen to the sound of ka-ching from my laptop. And that was all I had to do. And I was like, great, I want some of that. Thank you very much. But no, apparently not. Apparently you have to work bloody hard. Oh, oh so annoying. Um, but the great thing about Amazon is it is a massive shop window. It's an international shop window. And there are millions and billions of people who are there walking through these shops with their wallets ready to press the button. And it is just a, 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 a pressing of the button. Now, I know a lot of uh, smaller product brands and bigger ones get very obsessed with the fact that um, you know, they want people to come to their website. I want my customer data, right? Okay, again, I state to you, are you running a charity or a business? Do you want to sell your products? Because actually, it shouldn't be about what you want. It should be about what is best for your customer, because your customer wants to buy your product. And if you are not on Amazon, your competitors most likely will be, they will most likely be bidding on your brand name and or your keywords, etc, and getting sales off the back of it. And actually, no, you won't get the data from Amazon. And in fact, Amazon has literally just announced that as, as of early April, we won't even get the names and addresses of people who have bought our products on Amazon. They're taking, they're, they're doing everything they can to ensure that it's Amazon's customer, not ours, right? So that just makes me really more determined to uh, grow the business off Amazon as well. But you've got to think about the shopper. Now, I think of myself, I have a prime membership. I know the names of my delivery men, okay, because they are constantly delivering stuff to me because of the fact that I am constantly buying shit on Amazon, always. I don't stop. I literally, I'm like, oh, I need this, buy it. I need something for the garden. Yep, buy that. I need that. Oh, yeah, fine, I'll buy that. And it's delivery, 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 delivery. Now, be realistic, right? Your customers are like that. And they don't necessarily want to the inconvenience or the time or the, the possible distrust of handing over their credit card details and their, all that everything else to your website because they don't know what your returns policy is. They don't know whether you're going to argue with them about giving a refund. They don't know how long the shipping's going to take. Well, if I've got Prime, I know it's going to be with me tomorrow. I know if there's a problem, as there was actually with an Amazon order that arrived yesterday, it tasted disgusting and I'm sending it back and there's no querying or no quibbling or anything like that. So think about your customer because your customer actually wants you to sell on Amazon because then they can buy it. If they're an Amazon person, then they'll buy it. What your websites allow you to do is have an off Amazon presence. Make sure your customers feel that they can trust you because they can see you've got a website. You, you know, I see a lot of Amazon sellers and they, they um, ship their products and they've got a piece of paper saying, you know, if you're happy with your purchase or if you have any problems, email us on xyz at gmail com are you kidding me like seriously like you how do i know you're going to be in business in a year's time what is your one-year warranty worth whereas i've had people come back to me i bought this new shade last year or i got given this new shade uh two years ago and the strap's broken i'm like okay fine no problem i'll send you a new one you know because the, i've been around for 11 years i'm not going anywhere um, and people like that sort of longevity of the fact that they trust that you're there. They can see you on social media. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Facebook. I'm on TikTok, even though I don't do anything. But the brand, I'm on eBay. I'm, we are everywhere. The brand is everywhere. So if anyone is like concerned, like that they don't know what it is, then, you know, you need to give people that reassurance. You don't necessarily need to do them all but you do need to do some of them. So like certainly Facebook, if products, uh, Instagram is great. 
Uh, I love Instagram. Um, we actually get more sales from Facebook, but we actually get more uh, customer interaction on Instagram because people are always posting, like using the products and telling us how. And they also seem to be using it more for customer service than they do Facebook, interestingly. So, and we have it on my website. I have a, a thing set up so that if people want to contact us, they can just click and then they can go through to the Instagram page and things like that. So, you know, it's about encouraging people to communicate with you. But, you know, Amazon has literally revolutionized my business. So I went from like mid six figures at the end of 2016 and I started selling on in April 2016. So I definitely had a, um, a, a, a rise in, in 2016 to seven figures in 2019. Um, and I actually stayed in seven figures last year, which I was gobsmacked by because last March, around this time last March, actually, I don't know what day is it? Oh no, I was in the Dominican Republic last March, uh, taking toe shots um, and drinking cocktails. <laughs> but I, and I was listening to the ping and the ching actually, because the team were looking after the business. Um, but um, uh, my business, I, I dropped 90%. 90% of my sales plunged off a cliff last year. And I literally was sitting there working out with a paper, a piece of paper and a pencil, like whether or not I was going to stay in business, how long, how could, how long could I keep the business afloat at the level that of all the costs I had, etc. Um, you know, and that was a real shock to the system. But actually, in the end, I was only about 30% down year on year, which frankly, you know, the profit margin was down because I had to, I'd cancelled orders in China. I then had to fly products around. My freight costs went through the roof. But you know what? Like, again, another one of my things is better to sell something and make something than sell nothing and make nothing. So did your costs go down? Uh, sorry, did your sales go down because of lockdown? People weren't leaving. Sales, yeah, because obviously everyone stopped traveling. Like, look, you went, you were going on holiday. Mm -hmm. You were buying for holidays. So basically April, Easter was canceled last year. So the whole of the UK holiday market just whoom, gone. Uh, in the US as well, they were in lockdown initially. Uh, they, they've obviously been traveling a lot more. And obviously America is so much bigger and they can all tra travel in, internally and go to Hawaii and things like that. So actually it hasn't been as bad in, in the US. Um, but certainly in, initially it was, I dropped 90% in the US and 90% and, and in the UK. Um, but then you know, great thing is, you know, my products, I invented them for sleep, but actually most parents start off using it for sun protection. So as soon as the sun came out last year, sales started perking back up again. Um, and, you know, and, and, and it kept, it was pretty, it was good summer last year. Thank God. <laughs> pray for the sunshine. I pray for sun. Literally I do little dances and everything. <laughs> I love that. So the first time I came across you, actually, I knew about you before I saw you on, um, the speak at the what's on for kids awards, because, um, we shared you on our phonics with robot reg page when, um, the Aldi thing happened. Ah, yes. Can we talk about the Aldi thing? Yeah, I'm allowed to talk about it. I can't go into too much detail. Okay. Um, but basically somebody on Aldi's baby product department decided to basically buy my product as the bestseller on Amazon and then send it to China and then basically copy it. Um, even down to using the wording on the packaging, the look of the feel of the product, etc. Um, and that was um, Easter 2018, I think it was. Was it 2018 or 20? Yeah, was it 2018 or 2019? I can't I remember. I reckon it's 2018. I think it's 2018. So that was a lovely Easter weekend treat for me when one of my one of my lovely is one of my brand ambassadors actually, and she messaged me saying, "Have you seen this from Aldi?" And I went <coughs> and literally sort of like had a heart attack on the spot. Um, and um, and then what happened was that um, more became uh, available because they had a picture of it in their catalogue that it was coming up and it was literally like I could see it was a direct copy um, and then uh, they launched it on their website and then I could see the packaging and they would again literally it was it was quite scary um, and I just didn't know what to do because you know what do you do you're a small business and somebody like Aldi you know like I was like oh my god what do I do so what I did was I actually posted on my Facebook page. My, my Facebook page is private, completely private. Um, unless you're my friend, you cannot see anything that goes on on my Facebook page unless I've shared it. Um, and so I was posting this stuff and I was asking questions. I'm like, can you, can, am I going mad? Like it, it is a copy, isn't it? Like this is the same and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, um, one of my friends who didn't realize uh, posted my post on Twitter and so really from that moment, what she did is she kind of gave me permission to go for it because it was out in the public domain. I hadn't announced it. And so I went for it all guns blazing. So I actually did like this whole spot the difference. I had a picture of my product that where I'd actually taken a photo and it was almost identical, like in the look of it. 
I'd put the fact that, you know, there's this product and it's $9.99, my, you know, designed, um, you know, and then the mine's $19.99 and multi-award winning, designed by a mom, et cetera, safety obsessed, la, la, la. Um, and then it just got picked up. Like uh, loads of people were like tweeting it everywhere. Um, journalists started picking it up and I ended up on the BBC One show, Channel 5 News in every single major newspaper in the country. Um, and I, I do say to people, if you've got a blatant somebody bigger than you who, or you know, somebody else who is copying, sound them out because if if it's really that obvious, there's not a lot they can do about it other than kind of go, oops, sorry, you know, or they can try and and blaze it out. And um, anyway, um, it did go legal. I can't say anything about the outcome. All I can say is that, um, as with any good legal activity, both parties didn't feel that they got the best result for them. That's all I'll say. But you know. Yeah. Kidding. So during that time, I mean, you know, it's it's great that you can chat about it now because obviously business is not plain sailing, is it? There's highs and lows, but that must have been so hard for you at the time. Well, actually, sales went through the roof. It was great. I mean, honestly, I, I can't because I think because I was the underdog and because also I was being very like, you know, I, I did come out strong on it. And, you know, and I was very much challenging them because, I mean, for example, I tweeted at them saying, you know, what have you done, blah, blah, blah. And I got this message saying, please call our customer helpline. I'm like, are you serious? Like, you know, you're kidding me. Um, and, um, and obviously they do it all the time. They actually, there were a couple of other brands that were suffering from exactly the same thing from the same baby event as well. So, you know, they got, they got covered as well. Um, so it happens a lot. And I got a lot of support from other small businesses. And actually it's really funny. I bumped into this couple one time, they're walking out of a pub when we were allowed to be in pubs. And, um, and I said, oh, we've got snoo shade. And, and, and they said, oh, yes. And I said, oh, I invented it. So I always say that because I just get so excited. And they went, oh, you got, you sued Aldi, didn't you? And I was like, <laughs> oh, right, yeah, although you got copied by Aldi. And I was like, yes, I did. You know, so it's actually become part of the folklore of snoo shade and, and, and good. I mean, you know, it just shows that a small company doesn't have to fold because of being copied by somebody else. And the other thing is also, I mean, it's not just Aldi. I've been copied by loads of people and um, I've taken quite a few of them down. Um, some of them I don't bother with because, to be honest, I also think there is room in the market for more than one product. Like you don't necessarily need to be the only product of a kind. But the thing is, the way you deliver it is going to always be different because the way you do business is very different. So, of course, I'm going to do business in a very different way from Aldi. You know, I mean, I'm, I, I love Snoojade. It's my other baby. Right. So, you know, it's and every interaction a customer has with Snoojade is going to be a very, very different experience to one buying from Aldi. Plus, also their product was a lot smaller it was actually a bit smaller than mine the straps weren't as good the, the zip wasn't as strong it wouldn't have passed my safety testing um you know i have no guarantees they did air permeability testing or uv level i think they probably just took the wording from my packaging copied it and assumed that they'd be okay um and you know and that happens a lot people copy but they don't copy they never copy as expensively as, as as i you know so my products are amongst the most expensive on the market but there's a reason for that because i do invest in a huge amount of money in safety testing i use the only baby safe certified poppers in the world i use zips that are equivalent to ykk which is almost unheard of in the baby industry which means they never break off well they very very rarely break off or you know they could never be a choking hazard i use short straps so instead of using two long straps that would go around the back of a buggy on the originals i use six straps and on the plus plus deluxes i use eight uh, there's shorter straps there's no risk of entrapment no risk of triangulation you know so all of my products I actually designed to meet the standards for a newborn baby toy whereas a lot of baby products in fact I'd say about probably 95% of baby products are designed to be used by three-year-old or above because the the premise is it's obviously being used by the adult not by the baby directly by the baby so the three-year-old standards are kind of good enough for that don't get me wrong you know it's not that it's dangerous I just personally prefer to go that one step beyond, you know. So what's next for Snooshade? What's in the pipeline? What can we expect? Well, funnily enough, I'm actually sitting in my garden office at the moment, looking at, I've got a twin deluxe, which is a side for side by side prams that I've been working on for about three years, but I've just never got pulled my finger out. And then COVID last year put like the kibosh on 90% of any new product ideas I had. Um, so I'm just in the process of testing that. That's why I was using my sewing skills the other day. Um, and um, so I'm excited about that. And then I've also launched my Make It, Brand It, Sell It as well, which is more for me to help other people who want to sell on Amazon, want to basically grow a brand, uh, uh, you know, basically do what I've done, really, in a nutshell. 
Um, but you know, that's a kind of a, a side, a side hustle, so to speak. I, it's not really a hustle. It's just, it's, I get asked all the time how I did it. And I, it just gets to the point where actually I'm busy running my own business. So if you want to talk to me, I'm afraid you're going to have to pay. Um, because I'm happy to give the odd bit of information here and there. Absolutely. But I can't spend an hour every day with like 10 different people. Um, so, you know, it just became kind of, you know, a, a better way of, of, and also because the other thing is I only also want to really work with people who actually really genuinely passionate about what they're doing. And I have spent in the past, my mum used to tell me off because in the early days I used to get these people ringing me and they'd be like, and I'd say, oh yeah, yeah, no problem. You know, and I'd be on the phone for two hours. I'd be going through how they trademark, how they do this, how they do that, blah, blah, blah. And then I would never hear from them again. And, you know, and that was really frustrating because that was my time that I'd spent helping and, you know, and then nothing happening from it. So I did have a few people, I, you know, who I've helped and who have now gone on to do great things. Um, but the majority, to be fair. So I just think, well, you know what, if you're really that interested in talking to me, then actually paying me and it's not a huge amount, you know, is not unreasonable. Yeah. And also, I think as a, on a personal level, if you pay for something, it really makes you up your game and go, OK, let's yeah. do this. Exactly. I, I often sit in the audience. I don't even sell anything on Amazon, but I sit in the audience of your room, which is called Make It, Brand It, Sell It on Clubhouse. And I listen to you and you're just so knowledgeable. I'm like, it's, yeah, it's funny because I sit there thinking, God, what am I going to talk about today? <laughs> Um, and um, yeah, and the thing is, you always look at other people and you think, oh God, they really know everything. And then, you know, you think, why would anyone want to listen to me? <laughs> yeah, it's so true. It's so true. You're such a refreshing person to talk to because I think you just say it how it is. I don't think you put on any airs and graces of being this big business. Well, no, I'm not a big business. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not really a big business person. I'm just a person who runs a business and the business has grown. Yes. And I'm gobsmacked. I mean, like the fact I got to seven figures, I always wanted to hit a million. Um, and so that was that was amazing. But you see, the interesting thing is as well is that I don't sell this kind of get rich quick kind of activity and also like what like a lot of people especially in the Amazon world uh, there's a lot of pressure on everyone like you know right go from six figures to eight seven figures to eight figures well actually if, if I was running an eight figure business that means I'd probably be spending like seven figures on all the stock I'm actually making more than enough money to put some money into my pension because I'm really passionate about like empowering people as you know um, <laughs> to um, you know to invest some money get some savings think about the future because it's all well and great you know we're all young now but actually we will not have pensions in the future that are going to really help us unlike everybody who's on pensions now and even then they're rubbish you know so you've got to have a, something that's going to support you when you're older and to live in the style to which you'd like to become accustomed although probably I won't but never mind um, <laughs> But, you know, so I want to put money into my pension. I want to um, be able to take my daughter on holiday. I've just booked, I've, I go to this amazing hotel, which is called the Manor House down in Oakhampton in Devon. It's all crafty activities and it's, it's crafty stuff. But it's also got spa. It's also got like stuff for boys, like rock climbing and, oh, and go-karting and golf and everything. It's just amazing. And wow. it's so super cheap as well. It's like usually like about 55 pounds a head or something per night, all inclusive. Honestly, I'm like, this is a little ad for Manor House. <laughs> Do you work for them? I know I should do, but you know what? I booked three holidays. I, I, last year I had three holidays booked with them because we usually go away May. We usually go away like Easter half term, October half term. And then my birthday's at the end of December. Um, so, and also I share custody of, of Holly over Christmas, New Year, depending we swap, depending on what you, what's happening. So I've just literally booked, and this is, this is what makes me happy. I've booked a trip hopefully in May for half term, October half term and New Year's Eve. And, um, and I've booked all those holidays up front, paid up front. And, you know, that's what Snooshade allows me to do is live the lifestyle I want to live. Now, you know, I'm not into draping myself over Ferraris. I've got a mini um, and, you know, I can drape myself over that and I will do one day just as a piss take. Um, <laughs> but, you know, and I do love holidays, but I don't need to be going to Sandy Lane in Barbados. I'm quite happy, as I say, either going to Devon or going doing a super cheap deal. But I'm a bargain hunter anyway. Um, but you know, I like to have, I love going out. I love eating out. I love, you know, I love gin. I've got a very good gin collection. Um, but you know, those are, those are the things that make me happy and you've just got to find what makes you happy and then focus on that. And don't get distracted by what makes other people happy because, you know, do you really need the stress of running a seven or eight figure business when actually your six figure business, particularly if it's services where you've actually got a lot less costs or you should do really, um, 
you know, are, are, you know, is making you enough money to live on, you know, like being like, take everything into consideration, but don't get pulled into other people's kind of greed is what I say, you know, um, you know, if you, that's your aim and that's your focus, then go for it. Don't, don't get me wrong. Again, everyone be free to do what you want to do. But what I do see is a lot of people like, you know, it's like, oh, well, you know, I'm doing five figures. Well, five figures, Jesus, I used to earn five figures in my corporate job. And that used to pay for everything, mortgage, food, holidays, etc. Like what's wrong with five figures? You know, let's not get figure snobby, you know? Yeah. So, and especially um, if you have built a business from the ground up, like a lot of people who listen to this podcast are solopreneurs, mumpreneurs. I hate that yeah. word. But you know, that is what they are. And if you have, have replaced a wage whilst doing yeah. a job that you love around exactly. your children. Yeah. I mean, I have literally, I think I've only missed a couple of school activities for Holly in the last like 13 years. I missed, I missed her in a play once because I was on a plane going to the States and I missed something else because I was away in the States. But other than that, I've been to, I, and I was, I was the main caregiver. So I was the one who was taking her to nursery every day. I was one of the, before nursery, I was the one looking after her all day. Um, you know, and, and I, and I've loved that. And, and, but there is a price that is, that does not mean I sit there like omming doing yoga while my child just like plays around me while I'm running the business what that's actually meant is some of the time I'm like yeah Holly sit and watch Peppa Pig for 15 hours while mummy does some work okay 15 hours is a slight exaggeration <laughs> um but you know do sit and watch Peppa Pig I always say put the subtitles on because then they're reading right um and you know and also in the evenings I have to work sometimes so you know I try now now that I'm divorced and I don't have Holly all the time um, that when I don't have Holly, I tend to work at weekends. I tend to put in the time in the evenings and I tend to do my late night working, which naturally suits me better getting up later. And then I have to rejig actually Tuesday nights are when I have to rejig because I've got her back tomorrow on a Wednesday. So therefore I have to get back into getting up on Thursday morning to go take her to school at some ungodly hour of the morning. <laughs> I love it. Um, okay, I could literally talk to you for hours, but um, I always have three questions that I ask at the end of every podcast. So tell us, what book would you recommend? Well, I, I read something you enjoy. Read Absolutely. something that, you know, like, I mean... You know, I've got so many business books. Honestly, if I could only show you that my library of business books, I've not read any of them. Um, and it's not that it's not that I'm not aware of them. It's like things like Profit First is a really great book. And interestingly, I went and did some work with these consultants and they actually turned around to me and said, you run your business like a model of the Profit First template. It's like, well, I was just running it how I want to run it, which is what makes sense, which is make money, you know, make profit. It's not about turnover. It's about profit. Um so I don't, I, I just say read, and I personally, in fact, interesting, I always know when I'm a bit down because I don't want to read. So I have a Kindle, which is packed literally with thousands of books. And I love, I love like gory murders. And I love, um, I've actually started reading one of the Bridgerton books as well, because I watched Bridget, I gorged Bridgerton. Oh my God, on Netflix. That was so amazing. Um, so just read something you enjoy, but, and that might be a business book, but you know, but don't feel you have to read a business book because again, just because everyone else is doesn't mean you have to, like, I'm, I'm really not a, you know, don't be a sheep, you know, mm. just, just, yeah. sort of, just do, do what you enjoy and what relaxes. I need for me, as you can probably tell, my brain works at like 9 million miles an hour. And I, for me, reading is relaxation. The other thing I do, which is really so sad, is I play a game on my computer, which is called, I think it's called Tropical Escape or something, which comes from people who invented Farmville. I nearly got divorced earlier than I got divorced over Farmville. Even my daughter remembers mummy playing Farmville because I was like, leave me alone, I'm farming. <laughs> and that for me is like my mental, like, you know, break. Um, I found another game last night, actually, Match 3D. OMG, you have to match 3D things. Oh, it's so addictive. This is why I don't do a lot of these things, because I think I have probably got quite an addictive nature, so I have to be a bit careful. So, yeah, so that's my advice on books. <laughs> I like it, and I, I think it's true for, for life, isn't it? You know, we're all running this business, these businesses, because this is what we want to do. So if I actually listen to a lot of stuff on Audible whilst I run or I listen to podcasts, because I love it, I enjoy it, I love running. I don't necessarily read physical books, but it's what works for me. I don't watch a lot of TV. I've like as a child, I didn't watch a lot of TV. Yeah, whereas I've always got friends on in the background. Like I have background noise. It always tends to be TV. So I have like friends, I have, what else do I have? Uh, oh, Holly's got me into Brooklyn 999, that's very funny. And I tend to have like TV programs on. I don't really like, weirdly, I don't like radio, but that's one of the reasons why I've liked Clubhouse because it's kind of like a podcast, but an interactive podcast. I yeah. don't really like listening to just like somebody, rah, 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 you know. 
yeah so the moral is do what works for you do what you enjoy life's too short exactly um, who inspires you uh, I'll tell you my mum um I, I don't have any again I don't really get inspired by people I don't know so I know lots of people go oh Brené Brown or you know all these other really like very very clever don't get me wrong amazing women etc but I don't really get inspired by people that I don't know I get inspired by my friends uh, who are also out there, whether it's being a full time mum or whether it's running. I mean, I've got friends of mine who are like, you know, working in super big corporates and governments and all sorts of shit. Um, and then other people like me who run their own businesses. But my mum has always been my major inspiration because um, she kind of taught me the meaning of the word resilience and and sticking at it and also gave me a confidence because I saw her after my parents split up. Um, I saw her go from literally like, um, you know, kind of having it all to not. Uh, she went out, got this job, which now you think about it was like paying like next to nothing, but she did it to put food on the table. And she then grew her own, like she's an in super intelligent woman, but she was born, and I was talking about this yesterday uh, for International Women's Day, because she was born in, she'll hate me for saying this, but she was born in 1945. And so she grew up in the sort of early six, you know, she was sort of like late, late 50s, early 60s. Um, and so basically she was told like, don't bother. She was super bright, but don't bother having a career. She wanted to be an architect, but she was told, well, you're gonna get married and have children. So why don't you just be a secretary? Which is what she did. But, you know, she built up her own business. She then got headhunted, worked for BT. And when she retired, she was like head of internal global communications for BT. And what she, what she gave me was like, when I was getting divorced, Yes, I had Snooshade, but Snooshade wasn't making me enough money to live on. I mean, I would have been okay, but it wouldn't have been ideal. And what she gave me was this kind of inner confidence that I knew I would be okay because I'll go and I'll go and fucking like stack shells in Sainsbury's, right? I have, I will clean, I will do whatever the hell I have to do to put food on the table. I have no pride. Well, actually, no, I don't have any pride because actually, the other thing I always say is that if you get really stuck, get into porn somehow, because like sex always sells. Right. It's one of those things. And I know like, you know, big, not exploitative or anything like that. But there are things you can do around the porn industry, affiliates and all the rest of it. You can make a lot of money. Um, and I have also thought about getting an OnlyFans account as well, because I do take toe shots and apparently they're very popular on OnlyFans. So there you go. <laughs> I didn't think we would end up talking about porn. I've well, no, but. That is literally the way my mind works. So, um, but, and my mum, I mean, you know, my mum and Paul, not really appropriate, <laughs> I suppose, but um, actually my mum was known as Mucky Mary. So she probably, she, she would get it. She'd totally get where my mind's going. It's so true though, because um, with Phonics with Robot Reg, obviously I've got loads of franchisees and then we've got an office team as well. And I remember we got like a giant robot, you know, like a robot mascot and it came in um, for our festivals and everyone was like, oh God, I don't want to wear it. I don't want to wear it. I don't want to wear it. And I was like, well, oh, yeah, I'll get it on. And yeah. as soon as I had done that, people were like, oh, okay. I'm I'll going to say now. Yeah. yeah. Because nobody wants to be that person who's stacking the shelves. No one that's why you're leading the company and they're not. Yeah. And, and that is my advice to anybody, you know, do everything. Be yeah. You've got to understand. And you see, people always talk about outsourcing and things like, you know, how do I outsource in my business? How do you outsource something you've never done yourself? How do you understand how that works? And, or at least that you've got a really good understanding. So even, you know, I mean, I'm not an accountant, but I have sat and I have with a spreadsheet and kept a, a running total of all my costs, you know, things like that, basic stuff. And, um, you know, and then also always take the time to understand what it is that you're outsourcing so that when you're outsourcing it, you're actually outsourcing something that is easily achievable for the other person. Because, you know, I also, you know, you can't give someone and go, I just want you to run my social media. Yeah. No, not so much. You know, you've got to have a plan. You've got to have a strategy. You've got to think about well, what is it you want to do. And if you don't know that, then go and talk to people who do. Yeah, I totally agree. What's one piece of advice that you would give to a fellow entrepreneur? Well, I think my I think it was pretty much in my opening talk, which is just get on and do something because it doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to be something. Um, and, and that's it, really. Yeah. Just get on, get on and do something. I'm all about baby steps. Um, I think I did a BBC News interview about that. And, and it's like you can find it if you look um, on BBC business or whatever. And it's, it's the most hideous. They chose 
the most hideous, like still, you know, the, the still shot. I literally look like I'm constipated or something on the opening screen. It's hideous. I feel like I feel like sort of sending them a prettier picture and then saying, please, can you insert this? But if, so if you can find the one of me looking constipated, it's basically is me talking about baby steps and the fact that, you know, you have to take small steps in order to make a long journey, but keep taking those small steps because you will get there. Whereas if you just sit at the beginning with your suitcase, you're never going to get anywhere. I love that. Oh, unless you get on a plane. <laughs> <laughs> True. But even then you have to walk to the you have to walk to the gate. So <laughs> Cara, you are an absolute gem. Tell people where they can find you so that they can follow your journey or book a power hour with you to find out how to get their stuff on Amazon. Uh, well, you can find me. I'm Cara Sayer uh, everywhere, actually. I'm the only Cara Sayer in the world, apparently. No one else has Cara. I know, freaky, eh? You would think, but apparently not. So they obviously broke the mould. Um, Instagram is best, really. So Cara Sayer, uh, as in, uh, for those of you who are old enough, Leo Sayer. Um, and uh, also my uh, Facebook page, which I don't do that much with at the moment, but I do. I tend to do more with the page than I do with the group, which is make it, brand it, sell it. So if you look for that, and then you, I usually post like when I'm doing Clubhouse and I post up the odd useful, useless bit of information that I find. <laughs> Thank you so much, Cara. You have been fab. I hope you enjoyed that episode of the Entrepreneurs Growth Club podcast. Before you go, I want to make sure that you are a part of my community over on Facebook. The Entrepreneurs Growth Club Facebook group is where I share all my tips and tricks on how to grow and scale your business and make more sales. So if you're not a part of it, come and join. You'll find the link below and I'll see you all next time. Do you feel confused about marketing? Are you fed up of feeling invisible and getting little or no interaction on your social posts? If you want to get better at marketing your business, come and join my free Facebook group, You Can Do Marketing. It's a friendly community where I share tons of easy to follow and action marketing tips to help you grow an audience who want to buy from you. So who am I? I'm Claire Black, mum of two, and I help women who love the business they're in, but feel like they're wasting too much time on marketing and just not getting anywhere. I teach you step-by-step the marketing skills that you need to go from feeling confused about marketing to confident and crushing it. So what are you waiting for? It's time to let the business you love flourish. Join my Facebook group, You Can Do Marketing. See you in there.